Meanwhile, in Arcade's evil lair... I'm looking at him now, right in his weird albino rabbit eyes. Confirm. Confirmed. Running my hand through his hair, just as greasy as it looks. Confirm. Confirmed. Mr. Sinister is my prisoner. Sitting before me, powers dampened by the murder chair. Completely helpless. Confirm. Confirmed. What are you doing? You sound insane. Well, when in Rome, there's a strange man molesting me with his eyes. Big toothy grin, clearly veneers. Uh, confirm? Confirm? Uh, should I confirm? No, you idiot! I'm disciplining Mr. Sinister! Oh. Confirm? Uh, confirmed. I, I, I'm being assaulted by a Chucky doll. Confirm? Shut up! Um, yeah, confirmed. Oh, oh, well, if you're going to keep slapping me, don't stop now. Mm. What? You better stop talking. Ah! Ooh. Oh, I have a hard on. Confirm? Uh, oh. Unfortunately, confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to episode 172 of Comic Book Queer's Legacy. I am your host, Unfortunate Boner, and this is our co-host, Evil Jeff. Hi, Evil. Hey, what were we just doing? What? What were we just doing? Oh, we were doing each other uh, (laughs) through a scene from Hellions number 10, the opening scene by Zeb Wells and his writing, his drawing partner, Stephen Sokovia. Yeah. Uh, but we'll talk more about Hellions later. I think um, this is our post uh, WandaVision. <laughs> I know. I, it's no going to be so weird not talking about WandaVision. I recently saw a TikTok and it was this gay guy. And he's like, yeah, I oh, 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 Sam and Bucky. Uh, I don't give a fuck. I want more WandaVision. Make more of that fucking show. I don't want that. <laughs> People are not taking it well that it's over. I know. <laughs> it's okay. As soon as Sam and Bucky get in their first husband, like, t- like spat, we'll be like, oh, this is the best. Yeah. And for you gays being like, no, I want WandaVision. It's like, I'm, there's going to be so much homosexual tension between them. That oh, my God. Satisfied. This is like, this is homosexual tension, the series. Um, It'll be great. Yeah, my mom actually just started um, watching WandaVision. And then she keeps texting me being like, what TV show is this 80s one referencing? I'm like, mom, you mom. Be- I watch these shows with you. <laughs> God. Well, we have a lot of other stuff to talk about yes. uh, in this interim week between MCU programs. Um, we've got some comic books and we've got another TV show we want to talk about. Yes, we but do. But first... We've got some hot topics, girl. What are you going to get? Ooh. Hot topics. Uh. Evil Jeff, are you familiar with the big two comic publishers? Um, I believe they're card called Maven and BC. Yep. That's right. Maven and BC Comics. <laughs> Maven and BC have both come out with Pride Books. Yay! They just announced uh, there's going to be two anthology one-shots. 
of those, then what, what I mean by anthology is little mini stories featuring your favorite queer characters by your favorite queer creators. Now I saw like there was like Marvel had thing where they were like showing like some kind of fun pictures of like Iceman and Dakin and um, America Chavez. Yeah. So you might be referring to the cover of Marvel Voices Pride, number one, which is coming out June 23rd. It's got a beautiful cover by uh, Luciano Vecchio, um, nice. who knows how to draw an LGBTQ plus character like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is everybody's business because it's a publicly published book. Uh, the Marvel one will feature uh, creators like... Um, Alan Heimberg and Jim Chung writing a Wiccan Hulkling story. Hello. Wait a minute. When is the last time those two? Is it since? Is it uh, since? Not for a very long time. Is it since the since one where Children's Richter? Crusade. I was going to say when Richter got his powers. I just see that the when when the time when Richter got his powers back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's monumentous. There's a lot of other characters. I mean, a lot of other creators. A lot of other characters. There'll be a Mystique and Destiny story. There'll be a Nico Minoru and a Calor. Carolina Dean story, Iceman, Doc Ken, a.k.a. Dakin, Karma. Oh, I was about to say, what about Karma? Bling. Karma's in there. She's a lesbian. Oh, but now Bling, it seems like Bling and Mercury are dating, according to the actor. Maybe they'll be in there. Or they're just fucking. You know, I don't want to judge. Um, The DC Pride book will be June 8th. Um, it will feature characters like Bat, a Batwoman story written by James Tinney in the of fourth. Course. We love him. I think she's. We'll be talking of, about him later. She's basically the front and center LGBT character of DC. Oh yeah, but now you've also got Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn. That's going to be done by Marie. But are Tamaki. they lesbians only in the cartoon? They don't do anything. They haven't been. Uh, they might do. Stuff are they in diddling the their skittles in the comics? <laughs> they might be diddling skittles. Um, Renee Montoya going to be written by Vita Ayala. Oh, fabulous. And uh, how about this? Pied Piper by Cena Grace. That's right. Has Pied Piper ever, because he's a villain, right? Yeah, he's a villain. But I think he's kind of like a sympathetic villain. Yeah, yeah, right. But I feel like he, I wonder if he's ever had his own thing or if he's always just appeared in other. Who's his main antagonist? Flash. Flash. Okay. Yeah, he's even in the show. So he's played, he's gay in the show, I believe, the CW show. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so very cool to have these books out. My favorite part of these book announcements, uh, <laughs> going on Twitter and seeing the replies to the out- announcements, like, stop shoving this down my face. And ew, this is disgusting. So everyone is super excited for the release of these two Pride books by the two uh. big publishers, Marvin and Basha. I just love it when the Proud Boys get up in a tizzy. <laughs> oh, have you heard? So disgusting. Just to talk about how gross Proud Boys are, have you heard the new trend going on that like alt-right and incel dudes are saying? They no, have their new it? sexuality. Sure it's it's oh, called being super straight. Super straight? That's and like alt-right. Well, super straight means that you are so straight that you won't date a trans woman even if she has fully transitioned and is post-op. Oh, God. <laughs> they won't date you either, 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 either. I know, right? It's just like... Uh, what? <laughs> oh, God. It's I There's know. times I just want to blow up the internet. <laughs> I was like, we're done. We don't deserve this. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to stay disconnected, okay? 
Um, but I'm looking forward to some pride books. I'm also looking forward to like June. If everyone's getting vaccinated by May, that um, means by June be eligible. That to be means vaccinated. true, but that does mean that a lot of people will be able to celebrate Fuck. pride. Oh, and, and pride. yeah, well, AKA fuck. That's the thing. The thing I miss about prides going out and watching gay men having sex in the corner of an ATM on a street and watching lesbians break up. That is what I miss about going to a pride. <laughs> yes. You see it all the time. And yes. I missed out on that last year. Yeah. You know, since my husband and I moved to New York City, both prides that have happened have been ruined. One, because my straight friend got married in Chicago on Pride Weekend. Thanks a what lot. What a bitch. <laughs> and that was when World Pride was happening in New York City. It was the 50th anniversary of fucking Stonewall. And this straight guy gets married. Homophobia. <laughs> Homophobia. <laughs> and, and then the pandemic. Then the pandemic. And I'm watching Sam Champion socially distance on TV for the first time. I'm like... When will it end? I'm, when will I be able to celebrate Pride? I am telling you right now, we are going to be hit so hard with STDs. Oh, God. In the summer. It's going to be insane. Oh, my God. Forget it. I'm going to be rife <laughs> with infection. <laughs> rife. Oh, my God. I'm going to be like Who's in my 20s again. going to be sucking any dick that... All right. Stop it. Wait. The, before we go on, the other thing I'm excited for is the new um, vaccine clicks that are going to happen. Where it's going to be like, um, Brian, Pfizer. sorry, you can't sit with us. You're Johnson & Johnson. This is like a Pfizer group. Maybe go talk Ew. to them. Maybe those Modernas will talk to you. Ew. I can smell <laughs> the Moderna on your breath. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. But you know what else I can't, I can't wait. I'm going to be like, I made my own vaccine. You know what else I can't wait about? Talking about X-Men. <laughs> Let's talk about the X-Men comics from the past two weeks, because we skipped a week. Yeah. Hit it. I want your ass. Oh, 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 oh. All right. We have. Okay. We have. Four. Four. Four comics to talk about. Yes, we if have. If there was um, more, they aren't re- resonating with us, so, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> so two weeks ago, we got uh, Demon Days X-Men by uh, Peach Momoko and Hellions 10 by Zeb and Steven. And then this week, we got X-Factor 8 by Queen herself, Leia Williams, and David Baldion. And then we got Children of the Atom by the aforementioned Vita Ayala and the drawing partner of that book, Bernard Chang. Um, I'm realizing a problem with me with the X-Men what is that? comics. And you this is going to come up Moira. in two of the comics. Okay. Um, I feel that the way I approach the X-Men is different than any other comic, any other TV show. And I am so guarded by what you can and can't do with these characters Uh that I logically am like, I should be okay with this, but it still bothers me. Like things bother me. What are you referring to? Uh, The demon one and children of the Adam. (laughs) Okay. Well, demon days is like this offshoot parallel. Like you can't. Exactly. And I, and so you don't care. I could not get into it. And I yeah. was like, I should be able to get into it. But for me, it was just so separated 
from the X-Men, but then it was just using looks of different things. I mean, do you want to talk about that one first? Let's just talk about it. Yeah, this. We'll, like, we'll it. breeze by it. Let's breeze through it. Um, so it's Japanese folklore mixed with Marvel. Marvel. Yeah. And, and I, this first instance is X-Men. And so are they just going to... It's Peach Go... And is she just going to do different? So it's not. It's going to be like Avengers, yeah. Demon Days, Avengers, like all that kind of right. Stuff? It's a different. It's like Mariko is next, and it might. So the next one is Demon Days Mariko, not Demon Days X Men number two. You know what I mean? And here's my thing: is it just the reason I didn't like it? Is I probably would have liked this more if it just completely different didn't reference the X Men. <laughs> Yeah, sure, sure. I felt the X-Men were just literally like, oh, this person kind of looks like the X-Men. Oh, I'm going to name the Wolf Logan, like, because then yeah. the Wolf is Logan. Well, it's a, it's basically about an alternate take, a Japanese folklore take on Psylocke. And you've got Jubilee and Danny Moonstar in here. Yeah. Japanese kind of takes on that. But, but other than Jubilee is the closest one that seemed to have the same powers. None of the other ones seemed to have similar power. Like it just was like, it, it just yeah. felt like, and I do, I do like the idea of the demon, the main demon being like venom. Like that's cool. But I just felt like, it just feels like someone that looked at pictures of the X-Men and then decided to write a story. Yeah. And that makes me angry. <laughs> Sure. And that's the thing yeah. where I feel like because I hold like the X-Men is like this Bible to me. And that's when it, yeah. but I also don't like like I'm turning into those annoying incel guys that are like, no, the yeah, Star Wars, Star Wars, you can't fuck yeah. with that shit. Like, I don't want to yeah, be that. But I'm be- I, but it's that natural instinct is coming out for me to be like this. Great. I thought it was a lovely story and I enjoyed the loose ties to the X-Men. Okay, Hellions number ten. <laughs> Hellions number ten is something I'm very excited to talk about. Um, the Hellions have been kidnapped by Arcade and Mastermind. Yes. And do you know what this issue reminded me of, Evil Jeff? Uh, what? Every other arcade. This story? issue reminded me of my favorite. <laughs> what? Every other arcade story. Um, no, this issue reminded me of my favorite single issue of a comic book ever, Uncanny X-Men Annual number 11, where, where the X-Men go into wishes. the Citadel and fight Horde, and you get to see everyone's wishes yes, and dreams. Yes, we've actually, here, we have talked about that episode in depth on this very yeah, show. Yeah, and Hellions reminded me of that, because we each go into, like, their dreams and their fears. Yes, yes, we did. Um, and I like it. And Alex, um, Summers. <laughs> He uh, he's got some issues. Let's say he's a he's a bad boy. I will say he's going to get spanked. the thing that's the best about this book is is it really takes like what happened with Alex Summers throughout his entire life, and they are like you have to be on this team with villains because you're fucking insane. And he's You're like, no, insane. I'm not. And just time after time, it's like, no, he's probably one of the craziest people on the team. And I am here for it. I love it. The only thing I feel that they're so obsessed with Madeline and everything, I do wish that they would bring up that he was like married and had a child with Wasp. Like, 
I wish they would bring up some of the Uncanny oh, yeah. Avengers stuff. Yeah. Because that's another, yeah. a whole other thing of ripe of fucked upness. Because that's right. why he became Axis and became evil, was through that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, they did live in like an alternate reality, right? Yeah, they and had they, a child. And the like the one yeah. where wasn't it the one and where they had, Magneto let it go. had like a whole other planet or some shit. Yeah. The fuck? Well, each of these um Hellions they get so Psylocke is with her daughter, but she is so it starts off in like a like a like a good place and then it slowly becomes a nightmare for each of these characters. So Psylocke's with her daughter, but then there's kind of a mojoed out killer Betsy Braddock stalking them. Yeah. Grey Crow's in the middle of war and he's killed a bunch of people and he's being told what he did was a good thing. Empath is at dinner with his mom and you've got all of the um, people he's always, uh, the, the people he's he's hurt uh, at dinner with him. My favorite, Wild Child getting a dream where he's the alpha uh, compared to Wolverine and Sabretooth. Yeah. And so on and so forth. Nanny and Peter with a bunch of kids. <laughs> Nanny and Peter with a bunch of mutant kids. And, of course, Alex with Madeline Pryor. Yes. And it's basically um, Arcade has just enhanced his murder world by having um, Mastermind. It's all kind of looks like it's like mannequins. And it's like kind of like the danger room enhanced by Mastermind. Yeah. Yes. And... Um, and so this, how do you feel about when you see Arcade again? What do, what do you, do you like it? Do you not like it? I love Arcade. I will say, I don't think you read the, um, what's the one that was like the Hunger Games Avengers? Yeah, Avengers Arena. Avengers Arena. I will say that um, Arcade, like he became like insanely unhinged and his hair was yeah. all grown out and he was, yeah. and he kind of was like, went nuts and then the spider-man uh-huh. um thing happened where remember when arcade was doing the capturing all the animal like villains? yeah in the park yeah and it was just like he just went back to being normal and then it's just like back to being normal and i do kind of miss that kind of super unhinged arcade but mm-hmm. i always think it's fun when you get to see crazy arcade and putting him with sinister I mean, oh. who would have thought there is what a winning there formula. Is sexual tension between them. <laughs> there is sexual tension between them. There is also sexual tension, kind of, between Arcade and Miss Locke, who all of a sudden, like in the middle of the interrogation with Mister Sinister, starts groping Arcade and is like, "Is it touching time yet?" And he's like, "Get away from me!" <laughs> and I'm like, "That's a robot too." Miss Miss Locke is a, is yeah. a robot. Yeah, Arcade killed real Miss Locke a long time ago. Did that did that happen in so the that's comics? That's a robot like I'm horny. Yeah. How did he kill her? Uh, I forget. But he killed her. Oh, poor Miss Locke. Poor Miss Locke. And now we have um Arcade is basically just pulling teeth out of Sinister. Yeah. Oh. Um like kind of crazy, like Sinister getting tortured. He's not used to being Yeah, there's your unhinged. He's not used no. to being in this like type of position. I mean, he's really torturing him a lot. Yeah. And meanwhile, all of the fantasies are slowly, completely devolving and falling apart. Yeah, just like that movie, Fantasy Island. <laughs> did we? Did you just tell me about that on our own, or did we talk about yeah. it on here? <laughs> we talked about it a lot. Yeah. Um, but I do love that Psylocke is the one that's like, oh, I see through this. 
I fucking like she realizes like she's like, what is your name, daughter? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, uh, it's like, yeah, you're not fucking real. Yeah. And um, the moment where she telepathically reaches out to Grey Crow, I'm like, I, these I, I'm into these two. I'm into them. Yeah. I want them to work. I want them to be happy. I want them to find solace and purpose in one another. And because that's the thing, if we know anything about Psylocke's past, and I'm including her past when she was merged with, I guess her inner psyche was in Betsy when she was in that yeah. body. I mean, but if you look back, who did Betsy? Betsy, who did Betsy date? She dated Sabretooth. She dated Archangel. Like she likes. She likes a bad boy. Danger. She likes a, a fucked up bad boy. So her and Grey Crow would make sense. Yeah. And he's an honorable man too, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, now maybe. He's trying to be. <laughs> we still have to Lord remember. But to I be. think, was he, wait, no, it was Harpoon. Because I, I do like that it was showing when, when Grey Crow was seeing the people he killed, it's the Morlocks. And there's that girl who like could turn paper thin. She's kind of like the first Morlock. Tommy. It's the first Morlock you really saw killed in the Morlock massacre. Yeah. And I kind of like that where it's just like, oh, he's haunted by this. Yeah. That's what we want. We want, if you're going to, if you're going to like redeem a villain, let's see some guilt. Exactly. Remorse. The weird thing is, Otherwise. is part of me is like, well, he was just acting under orders, but from sinister. Oh. Shit, fuck. <laughs> like, you forget, like, oh, the leader of the group that they're currently in is the one who said, go kill all of those people. Yeah. A lot of this history book here. Is so, it's weird how I, it's so hard to, like, you root for these characters. They're like, but they're evil. I shouldn't, I shouldn't root for them so hard. And that is the success of a good writer, in my opinion. Absolutely. God, it's so good. All right, moving into last week's books. Oh, my God. Speaking of good writers, X-Factor number eight. Oh, my God. I think brought a close to the Morgan storyline. <laughs> well, unless it unless it fucking gets released out again. Yeah. But uh, Mor- Morgan is way more powerful than she ever was in X-Factor. Yeah, I like she it. She fucking just murders. She just straight up... Stakes are high. She just straight up murders X-Factor. Yeah, and then they get resurrected in the middle of the book and are like, okay, round two. And this is the one where it is... I feel like X-Factor is officially confirming it is once a week the updates. Yes. And so unless yeah. you are killed right when your update is happening, you are probably are not odds? going to remember a week. And I yeah. will say X fact uh, X Force. Mm, there is the the whole thing with Domino's arc. Um, yeah, kind of fudged that, and yeah, yeah where somebody made a decision so that she didn't remember something exactly. Where it was in, like, yeah, because like we don't want to remember how you died. We Colossus asked them to remove that. But then it was like yeah, she would. Like but then it was like she wouldn't have remembered it anyway. it anyway. But but you know here yeah. we are. Like that's neither here nor there. X Force sucks. X Factor is where it's at. Um, I do like that Xavier is like okay. Well, let me get the big hitters, and North Star and Polaris are like no 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 no. We got this. Like we can do it on our own. Yeah, we'll yeah. fucking get this bitch. <laughs> yeah, love that. And I, I love having Xavier in this book. 
just like, okay, well, I'm here to deal with the Morgan stuff. And they're like, nope, step aside. We got it. Yes. And then here is the interesting thing also that I feel is, um, is the idea of Xavier writing North Star a note, <laughs> doing <laughs> this so like good. friendly that friendly office do me a favor. But he basically is like, oh, I heard there's like some new things with Prodigy's powers. Do you want to like tell me what's up with that? And Northstar being the complete bitch that he is, is like, no. <laughs> it's not Prodigy, it's iBoy. Oh, iBoy, that's what I mean. Sorry, sorry, sorry. iBoy. And he's just yeah. like, no, no. And that means if it's from the resurrection, so it's like, what, what? It's It, it literally, we have no idea what that is. Right. And again, going like, and is it even the resurrection? Because Trevor's really not gotten a chance to use his powers for any sort of purpose. Remember when he was in Generation X and put on a team that would like as a useless X-Men that would never do anything? Yeah. And here he is. um, He's like a uh, like a skeleton key, like a Rosetta Stone, like a Swiss Army knife. Like just he could be applied to so many situations. Yeah. I think he's very similar to um, – because the one thing that I find interesting, it almost seems like if if he can't see something, he can grow an eye to see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It seems like he yeah. can always find an eye that can see the thing that they need him to see. So I'm curious yeah. if that's, like, what's going on. Like, he's – in a very way, his powers might be similar to Darwin – where in that they're responsive when he needs to see something his body can create the ability to see it that's how i'm wondering if i'm wondering if that's how his powers work something is very odd with him because right in the beginning of the book before trevor is killed is he even killed no he survives the the morgan yeah him and prodigy Um, survive so it's not the resurrection. Oh, like, that's right. He didn't get resurrected. Just... Yeah, you're right. You're right. He didn't even die. Because Rachel finds him like in the lobby, just standing there with his arms out. And she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, um, uh, hi. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, he's going. Yeah, he's he's because also how old is he? He's, he's still a kid. So he's just developing. Yeah. He's evolving. Very interesting. Mm. He's an amazing. And that's what I love also about this book is every character, I will say the least developed right now is Rachel. But yeah. every character has their own, like the only thing she has is like a dog, like a, were- a werewolf dog. But she also, like, it feels like she is purposefully hanging back all the time. Also, if you notice how like everyone has these rooms and then she took the basement, like she's very isolating. Yeah. She's very isolating. Yeah. Isolated. Um, she's got her guards up, which can't wait to see those walls come down. Yeah, because I mean, the last thing that was going on with her is she was just being manipulated by either um, Cassandra Nova, right, um, or Kurt, or Kurt Wagner, or Kurt, and then was yeah <laughs> was dating Kurt. Yeah, so she needs something going on. But I do like because we have to deal with Prodigy not being like possibly having another prodigy out there. Yeah. Dakin is dealing with the idea of like being in love with Aurora, which North star yeah. is probably losing a shit over. Um, 
I will say you can't have this many. I need some more. I want, I really do need, Kyle is just so bland and boring. Oh, Kyle's babysitting show go. Kill him. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Somebody needs to babysit show go. I know, but I'm just like North Star is just so boring. Married to this boring. I just hate non-mutants. And then more on that in a later book. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but I just I don't want him there. I want him to be single. I want Kyle to have an affair, and Northstar to be betrayed and be single again, or something. Or he has to die. I don't know. I'm just over Kyle. It's hindering Northstar's growth as a character. <laughs> yeah. Well. And I will say this: you don't have to kill Kyle. I was always wishing for him to be dead. He doesn't have to die. He can just go away. Make him a mutant. Oh, he can be like, I was a mutant all along. I am your triplet. <laughs> um, but, well, you know, this love book it. continues to just be incredible. I love this it. This book has me. It has me by the throat, heart, and balls every time I read it. Um, now let's talk about the new one. The children, the children of, of the, the atom. atom. The much hyped much it anticipated. Took it took a year for yeah. this to come out. Yeah. And I will say, I feel that this, I feel like it has a twist in it. So spoilers, we're going to talk about it. Which I saw coming a mile away. I just have to say, and I saw it coming a mile I, away. I didn't. I will say I didn't. And um, I, uh, I felt like it was trying to pull a Thunderbolts. Absolutely. But I did not think it was as interesting and it actually made me not like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, I, I was, I feel like I was hanging by a thread with these characters and then the twist happened and I, yeah. The twist happened, the end, the yeah. Twist at the end. And I was like, and now I kind of really don't care. That's exactly what happened to me. Okay. So guys, but my, yeah. My mind thinks it's interesting. I do want to see how it plays out, but I, because there is actually, I was looking things up online. There is a debate going on of what's going on. So let's explain real quick what's going on. There is a group of, they seem like they're in high school, I guess. They're not college. It looks like high school. High school kids. And right now you have to remember within the champions world, like it is illegal to be a teen as a superhero and these super and but they are acting as superheroes these like five mutants one is very similar to angel one similar to gambit one similar to nightcrawler one similar to Jean gray one similar to cyclops um and they're fighting crime they're fighting the hell's bells that i remember from x factor days and most of them are depowered now but they're still fighting crime and they were like battling them. And it shows them kind of like, it's kind of giving an idea of like what their life is out of superheroes, what their life is, you know, doing superhero stuff, who likes who, all of this stuff. It's very soapy. Yes. And then the X-Men come and they're like, Hey, come to Krakoa. And they're like, we have our lives here. We don't want to come to Krakoa. We'll come, you know, when we're ready. And and then the X-Men are having a battle within themselves, being like, we should need to bring these kids here. They're not safe. And then it's like, well, we can't force kids to come here. What should we do? We should just talk to them. And Storm's like, I'll talk to them. And at the very end, they go to, uh, what is it, like Coney Island or something? Mm-hmm. And there's a gate there. And they go and walk through the gate. Lo and behold, they just show up on the other side, meaning they aren't mutants. 
Correct. There is some debate where people are saying, oh, they're just depowered mutants. I don't and think they I were feel, ever mutants in the first place. But I think depowered mutants can still go through the gate. Right? I think, oh, I don't know. Um, cause I think, cause I was reading these things where people were like, no, they're just depowered mutants and they want their powers back. And I was like, they're too no, young. There's nothing to indicate that. I was like, that. they're too young. Like they just got, they would have just gotten their powers if they're just teenagers. Right. I think they're, yeah, I just think they're I think not they're, mutants. I think they're super delusional fan people that want to be mutants. mutants. And I think they just believe that like, if they believe hard enough so, and if they play the part, then life will be like you. Congratulations, you're mutants now, because you've blood, sweat, and tears it your way in. And for me, I do think that is interesting. Like these fanboys and girls that are so obsessed with mutants that they want to be mutants and they they're trying to emulate them and be mutants. I like all that; it makes sense. But for me, I'm like now that I know the twist, I just don't see where this is going to go forward. I don't see how it's going to hold my interest. Exactly, and be interesting. Like, where is it going to go? Because in the end, we saw what happened to Franklin Richards. They're going to be like, oh, you're not a mutant? Fuck all the way off. We don't give a shit about you. Okay, so then you're not part of the X-Men. And if you're not part of the X-Men, I'm not going to care. (laughs) Which I said before, I was just that thing of like, well, it's X-Men adjacent. It's kind of X-Men. I'm like, no, if they're not mutants, then I don't give a shit. Yeah. And I hate being that way, but I feel like you're kind of on the same page as me. So I don't feel as bad. No, I am. Like, I was like, oh, like, I, I knew as soon as they walked through the gate. I was like, oh, they're gonna, they're not mutants. And then it happened. And I was like, so, like, I don't, I haven't been hooked into um, caring about these characters enough yet. I'll, of course, keep reading the book. I've got the utmost faith in Vita. I, um, you know, we're starting off in, in the negative, though. Like, I think... Well, I don't know. I was just like, I'm wondering what would have happened if they held this twist for like issue six. That would have been dope. Or would I have been like, you made me read six fucking issues? (laughs) Right. I do love Daycrawler. (laughs) Yeah. I like him. He's so cute. But also, how is this bitch, if if that girl is just making all these suits with the pat, like how? Right. That's pretty impressive that you can make a... telepathy helmet like a tele like a telepathy and, helmet and right. uh uh like a teleporting device and i would be like if you have that why don't you all just have all of those things how about everybody have the te- telepathy helmet and the teleporter and the eye beams right is it and possible is it possible that they really are mutants and for some reason they just can't go through the gates i i that's the th- i think people are holding off of like we don't know what the reason is yet and yeah. and I will say because there are people like Kitty Pride who can't walk through the gate, like she literally can't face. Th- but she, they're solid. I mean, I don't want to get into the semantics, but they're solid for her. Yes, exactly. It's different. It's a different thing. Like she literally cannot pass through exactly. it. These folks just pass through it. They just don't wind up on Koa, like in a human. Exactly, and that's why I feel that depowered mutants still can get can go through the gates yeah um so so it just means they're not fucking mutants and then i just have one more thing with this where is fucking moira mctaggart (laughs) we have so it's been fucking 
we've been through it's been a whole pandemic has happened and we haven't seen this bitch at all well that's why she's sequ- she's quarantining I'm fucking they need to bring it's like we need some fucking Moira like now I'm sick of it my friend got the Moira action figure <laughs> I love it. I would like make her like dance around my desk going, it's not a dream if it's real. (laughs) That's the thing, Charles. Okay. Chosen of the Atom. I'd rather uh, this, if they're going to do a new X-Men book, I'd rather it be about like Dazzler. Yeah. About, or about, (laughs) or about mutants. Mutant. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think it is also where it's, and the other problem I have is that we are Gen X and this was written for Gen Z. It's very like yeah, the youth of today and social media and all that stuff and I'm yeah. just like Ugh. It's very TikToky. Very TikToky. I do love when Daycrawler is in the middle of a fight and he just goes blah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. But that was about it. And I will say it's written well. Yeah, it's, I yeah, just it's don't know well. where it's going. The pre- it's, I'm more having yeah. premise problems than the right than the writing. Agree. Um. Well, that's enough about the X Men. Enough. Um. Are there any other comics that you would like to relate to me? There's one that I think came to a close. So let's devote our next segment to just it. Hit it. You gotta get a comic if you wanna get a hit. All right. Um, it's been a wonderful, amazing journey. Um, 15 issues. Where something was killing the children. Something killed a lot of children. Some things killed a bunch of kids and some adults. So it seems like James Tinney and the Fourth, Something is Killing the Children, ended, is ending with the last issue, issue 15, unless the book is going to keep going and introduce a whole new story arc. We don't know. And I'm. It seemed very final. It seemed very final, but I feel like isn't this book very successful? Right, isn't this book going to be turned into a TV show? Or, but he probably also writes a bunch of other things. Does he even have time to write more of this? He's writing Batman. He's writing Batwoman. DC Pride. My God. Sorry. Are you okay? Sorry, I just dropped my phone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Um. So something is killing the children. Number fifteen. Certainly a, a final element of some kind. Um, so we just wanted to take a moment to look back at, I think, one of our favorite most recent series. Is. Yes. Um, especially where it is very hard to, A, tell a story differently that we haven't heard before. And, um, and also to do something that is both intriguing, mysterious, and also like frightening and scary. Very scary. And that's the thing is, if you re- I think always the scariest thing, which is what made I think the first it so scary, is when the the victims in the horror movie are children. It just yeah. it it automatically raises the stakes to a terrifying level. And like adults can't see it, kind of the supernatural killing of children. Yes. You know, we've got it. We've got Nightmare on Elm Street. If you want to substitute kids with teens. And we've got something is killing the children. 
all horror properties where those fucking adults just won't listen. Yeah. And also... Classic trope. And I do think... And this is the problem. Like, I love the MCU, but we are stuck in this, um, this trope of, oh, there's kind of like this... This rapscallion, but he's the chosen one, and then he has to go on the hero's journey, and the, the like, uh, like it's yeah. it's always the Your same, the same, the same, the same, the same, and um, this one is just completely different from that. Um, like the main character, she's already gone through her hero's journey, and she shows up, like, like just as a badass already. You know what I mean? Like. And- yeah, and she's also not, like she's kind of an asshole. Yeah, you don't dislike her, but she's a jerk, and it's hard. It's it's it takes a good writer to make a jerk a sympathetic protagonist. Exactly. But she is Erica Slaughter, um, one of the more iconic comic book protagonists to come around in a while. And in the end, she does. She finally, like, kind of single handedly kills all of the monsters and and the other horror thing which is just so fucking depressing is the is the guy his storyline is he has to go to jail for all of their murders so that erica slaughter's cabal will murder the whole town yeah so then he serves as a scapegoat so that there's an explanation for these murders Rather than leave them unexplained, leave them people open to discovering that it was monsters. Um, and the cabal was going to kill everyone in the town to avoid that very discovery. But and that discovery doesn't need to happen now. And that is, can you imagine being that town being like, like now someone who's probably known as the worst killer and will probably get the death penalty? Yeah. Or like he saved us. Do the police are the police in on it? And is he just free? Like, you know what I mean? Like, is he not really? Is he free? Right. Right. And I will say, but that's the thing is like, we don't know. And that's the other thing is it doesn't, it leaves some things open ended and it leaves things where not everything is like the cookie cutter, happy ending. Um, I do like how Erica at the end when they're just like, you need to come back to us and do this. And she's like, you can fuck all the way off. I'm done with all y'all. Yeah. Everyone kind of just leaves. Um, they like our main characters go there. like they all move on to something yeah. else. They leave everything behind and just go somewhere else after this tragedy. But for me, I really want more of like I I feel like the next arc picks up following Erica and the next place she goes to, and it's a I whole would new love story. it if there is indeed a number sixteen and it is following. I'm Erica I'm Slaughter. ready for it. I would love that. I want it. You know, I gotta. I feel like um, the ultimate explanation of what was happening in this town, where the little boy, the main character, the little gay boy. It was his lie, his imagination, and the belief he spread from the lie that there are monsters in the woods that created the monsters in the woods. Yeah. It was through the power of that belief that these imaginary creatures were made real. 
that's kind of the same thing that James Tinney in the fourth is doing in Department of Truth. And it's where and it's this yeah, collective imagination makes something is, is real. Reality. And it is the same thing in Peter Pan, where keeping Tinkerbell alive. Written written by James Tinney. <laughs> I do believe My, in fairies. I, I wonder if James Tinian is going to use this, much like Grant Morrison uses, like, did you know we're comic books and there's a whole other world out there and they can watch us? Like, how he has used that so many times in so many different stories. Um, and I don't mean that in the pejorative. I think it's always an interesting thing. Um, I wonder if James Tinian is doing that with, like, the power of collective imagination, the power yeah. of collected belief. If that's something we'll see in many stories moving forward, or if it pops up in other uh, stories he's already written. Someone's reading too much Carl Jung. Did you ever read? Oh, the whole my whole approach to this show is very Jungian. There you go. Yeah. Um, overall, something is killing the children. We don't know. We could easily Google it. We're not. We don't know if there's going to be a number sixteen, but if there's not, thank you for a great run. Yeah. And if there is, well, we'll be talking about it in three weeks. And if there's not, we'll read something else. But if <laughs> if it is, we'll keep reading it. And maybe we'll read okay. something that, you know, now that we have that, we, we haven't really read a lot of non-Marvel books lately. Do yeah. Do care? Really quick. <laughs> Check in. What what non-Marvel books are we reading? We're reading Department of Truth. We're reading Something is Killing the Children. We're, re- we're reading We Only Find Them When They're Dead. Um, I started reading that. What was it? That rave, the girl, that witch where the girl like has the witch tale. Oh, A Discovery of Witches. Um, or a, a, a Unkindness of Ravens. Unkindness one of, of Ravens, that one. But yeah. then I was like, I, that, I lost interest with it already. Listen, it's hard. I know. If it's if it doesn't have X-Men in it, then it's hard. I think we need to dive in. We need to dive into a new book and just test it out. I've seen there's a lot of die books in image. There's one called Die, and then there's one called Die Die Die. And I okay. was like, what are these about? <laughs> <laughs> these sound cool. Um, yeah. Uh yeah, I feel like I need to like expand my horizons just a tiny bit. I will say I do read. That being said, I read a shitload of graphic novels that I don't talk about on here. And they are called Erotic Yaoi. Yeah. <laughs> which is it's basically like just drawn porn stories. <laughs> we can always do a Yaoi episode. You know what? I might send you one because there's some Omegaverse things. You know about the Omegaverse? No. The Omegaverse, it's a world where gender doesn't matter. You're either an... Oh. You are either an alpha, an omega, or a beta. And betas are basically just like regular people like you and me. But an alpha is someone that can impregnate, and an omega is someone that can get impregnated. The problem is, is a man or woman can be an alpha or an omega. So it's a world where a woman can impregnate 
another woman and a man can impregnate a man or a woman can impregnate a man. And so in this world, the betas just date each other, but the alpha and omegas can only date each other. And there's like this weird. And so a lot, there's all of these like graphic novels. There's regular novels, straight novels, gay novels, all written in this omegaverse world. And I just find it very, um, at first I was like, ew, male pregnancy, stupid. And for the most part, it's very stupid. But there's one that I read where it was actually kind of interesting interesting and good it's very very um but isn't that insane it's insane it is insane yeah and it's like and that's the thing is these graphic novels they'll be like a full-on amazing romantic story but then it's like all right for the next two chapters he's just gonna fuck his ass for two chapters like full graphic like and you're like okay 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 that's let's get back to the plot okay nope they're still (laughs) fucking okay (laughs) wow I do find it where I feel like I'm that person who reads Playboys for the articles, where I'm literally fast forwarding through all these sex scenes. I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's fucking with the ass hard. He's going to come in his mouth. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, now they're going to talk about their feelings. <laughs> oh, who hasn't fast forwarded 80% of porn to get to the good part? Oh my God, fast forwarding through porn. That's not a thing that real. Um, like you, like people, their their idea of fast forwarding through porn is just clicking further in the timeline on the video. Do you remember VHS porn, where you literally had to f- had like fast? You forward. had to just fast forward. Oh my god! That's why for a while I really yeah. only jerked off to blowjob scenes because it just took too long to fast forward to the sex part. Yeah. That's why for so long when I started having sex, um, I started yelling, too slow, too slow. Because I was used to the fast <laughs> Yeah, you were just like. <laughs> All right, let's fast forward to our TV segment of the show, shall yes, we? Yes, hit it. Someone who watch superhero sci-fi stuff with me. I love me told brett i watched something and there's some times where i watch something and i immediately am like i feel like brett needs to see this <laughs> oh my god i was like i just feel like this is something brett would like be into and i just was like and then of course you know me so and well then i was like of course as you're watching it you start texting me at every moment where i was like Brett would like this. <laughs> Brett would freak and out. And you're this like, moment. what is happening? I then send you a text going, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yes. So you instructed me to watch Servant, produced by M. Night Shyamalan on Apple TV Plus. Um, and we are three episodes into this TV show, and we will talk about it. Yes, it's already in the right second now. season, so we ha- we're we're definitely behind. Oh, it is? There's a second season? Yes, we're like way far behind. They're not that long. They're only like 40 minutes or so. Yeah, 36 minutes. Yeah. So let's talk about the premise. Um, We start with a couple. Uh, The wife is played by the delightful Lauren Ambrose. Playing a very different... Like she usually plays the kind of badass, like, you know, Claire from Six Feet Under. Very different character. Yeah, I... She's channeling like psycho, like non campy psycho beach. Party. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they, uh, it's, and her husband, I don't know who plays him, but her husband is like a food and wine snob. He's a celebrity chef, seems a little depressed, a little out of work. He's working from home when he is doing things. 
he seems overly like lazy and just generally kind of a jerk. Yes, yes. But they Where are Lauren Ambrose is like in. very type A and is like she's very type A, very tightly wound, and it's not, it's, she um, feels you, like she's hanging by a thread. <laughs> they are an. It feels like she's about to have a nervous breakdown. Yes. They are um, a, an affluent couple. You know, he's a celebrity chef and she is a um, famous primetime news reporter. Yeah, like on the street. Like like on the street with Debbie Laveau. Yeah. I don't know what her name is. <laughs> and, um, and I want to get into that in a little bit. But they are hiring a nanny and they are very excited to welcome this nanny for their baby. <laughs> Yeah. And so they bring in this like very plain Jane looking girl um, whose name is escaping me. We'll call her the nanny. Um, Leanne. Wait, wasn't it Leanne? Leanne. Yeah. Dorothy. Leanne Dorothy is like Dorothy is the, um, the wife and Sean yeah. is the husband and Leanne is the right. nanny. And then the fourth character in the main cast is Dorothy's brother who is very good friends with Sean Played by Rupert Grint, doing an American accent. I can, can I just tell you, he is the best actor out of all the Harry Potter leads. Oh, for I think so. he's great in this. He is so good, and his American accent is so pitch perfect, and like so good. And it is one of those things because I, you know, how I feel about um, what's her name from Beauty and the Beast and Harry Potter. What's her name? Emma. Yeah, Emma, Emma Thompson. She's Emma horrible. Watson. You say Emma Thompson. She was Watson. She was the weakest part of she Little Women. She is a bad actress. Um, and um, and uh, what's-his-name is good, the main guy who plays Harry Potter. Yeah, he's great. But Rupert Grint, I feel like, is like... If you gave like him the right role, actor. I feel he could win an Oscar. Yeah, he's fantastic. His character is re- he's like really, really snarky... Kind of a um, drunk. ...New Yorker. Kind of a drunk. But I do um, love that just like, and then the two redheads are like brother and sister. Like they look like they're brother and sister. I love it. They're, I love it. I love it. So they bring in this nanny. She's a little weird. Like I'm like Amish, right? Like she's like Amish. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's, she's very like sheltered. Yes, Mrs. Turner. I am weird, Mrs. Turner. Like she's just very weird. And they're like, we can't wait you to, for you to meet Jericho, our baby Jericho. We can't wait for you to meet him. And then it happens. The dad. The, thing. the dad goes to see the baby. <laughs> he picks up the baby sleeping in the crib at night. By the legs. And he picks him up by the ankle. And he's holding him upside down by the ankle, and he bonks the baby's head on the side of yeah, the crib. And I, like, I screamed. What? I was the like looking at my this? boyfriend, like, "What is happening?" Then he's holding the baby, and I did not know what I was looking at. It was like I was like, "Is this CGI?" I know. I was like, "Is this like, bad CGI?" Why is this baby? Is the baby so like what weird. is going on? I was freaking out. And the baby's like, it's like smiling up. Even after bonking its head, it's smiling up at him. It's not moving. He's holding it weird. Its face is frozen. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And then he says to the nanny. No, wait, wait, wait. Before, But before he starts talking to her, I'm like, oh, is the baby like real? And But then up. she's taking care of the baby and changing the diapers. And I'm like, I, like guess, sh- 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 oh. I guess it is real. What? I guess the baby's real. I was what? so confused. <laughs> and then he's like, so I guess, I guess the cat's out of the bag to the nanny. It's a doll. It's called a rebound doll. We lost the real Jericho and this doll helps my wife. 
cope. Because she basically was catatonic until we got this doll. And she is fully, right. has fully, like, literally erased the part of her brain that the baby is not, is dead. Died it. Like, she does not remember that their baby died. She thinks they have a baby, Jericho, and it's this freaking doll. And you're like, oh, okay, Lauren Ambrose lost her mind. But the nanny, her response back to Sean is, what are you talking about? What do you mean it's a doll? Yeah, and she's it's like, I'm still going to take care of it. What? And then cut to her making these like weird straw crosses and hanging them everywhere, including over the crib. And at the same time, every time he is getting a little more angry at the nanny for still pretend for like going on with the ruse when when, when Dorothy's not there. She's like, okay, I'm taking the baby out for a walk. He's like, it's a fucking doll. And if you noticed, <laughs> she's not here. As the show goes on, the meaner he is to Leanne, the more splinters he keeps getting. He's ripping down those crosses. He keeps getting splinters. He is dropping the baby on purpose when it was a doll. When it was a doll. And Leanne saw it. He, Leanne saw. So he keeps getting splinters. So, okay. So someone is fucking with him. I'm I'm thinking Leanne is a witch. Yes, it seems like she has that because the, the, the these little corn husk crosses. It feels very, very witchy. witchy. Like she, it's very uh, what's it? Um, the Blair Witch Project. It feels very that. Yeah. And then end of episode one, Leanne is like, "Okay, I'm going out. Watch." You know, she brings the baby monitor to the kitchen where he's working, and he's like, "Oh, thanks." And she goes out, and he hears like a baby cooing on the monitor when he's alone, and he goes upstairs. And he looks in the crib where the rebound doll is. And it's a real baby. What? <laughs> it's a real baby. And I'm like, and then I texted Evil Jeff again. And I was like, what is a real baby doing in this crib? I thought it was a doll. Why is it a real baby now? And that's the thing is like either A, she's a witch and turned the doll into a child. So it's like some kind of golem type thing. Or she swapped it. Or she took or a kid. Or she kidnapped a baby. Either way, and, and fuck. Either way. But when he's like, when he brings Lauren Ambrose upstairs, she looks in the crib and is like, there's my baby. Yeah, like, no difference. Like, she has clueless. no idea that it went from a doll to a baby. It's always been a baby And the her. thing that's interesting is he told Leanne that they've actually kept the death hidden. And only, I think he said only Rupert Grant I think the father and the therapist are the only ones that know. I think that's what he said. Oh my God. So, but everyone else doesn't know. I don't even know if they reported the baby dead to the police. Oh my God. So that's the other thing is he's like, we never said our baby was dead. How do I call the police? I think this is the thing is like, it does seem it's like he's, he's left with his option. Like, how do I call the police and then explain this? That, oh, my baby died. Well, why didn't you tell us the baby died? So you're like, oh. And then also, if I do call the police and do all this, my wife will probably commit suicide and go fucking insane. Yes. So this is where I would pack up my shit and get the hell out of here. (laughs) I would just leave. I would be like, listen, so you can't tell that 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 
our baby died and then we had a fake baby and then the fake baby became a real baby. You can't tell that at all. And you, Nanny, you're Yeah, like, he's going up to her like, where did you do with the baby? Where did you do the baby? And she's like, and making crosses. And she's like, that's your like, baby. Would, that's your baby. I would get the, the nanny's like, what do you mean? It's your baby. I would get the fuck. I'd be like, you're both fucking insane. I don't love you. You're a witch. I'm leaving. And he doesn't do that for some reason. This is where I mentioned Erica Slaughter is a, a protagonist that despite being a jerk, you are still rooting for her. You still care about her. Sean in this show, however, I do not care for him. And it's tough for me to watch a show with a protagonist I kind of despise. The the reason I'm okay with it still is because the things that make him despicable are the things that make the situation believable of why he's like not doing right, anything. Right. I feel like if he was a more good person, he would have just gone to the police and like the show would be yeah. over. <laughs> yeah. But instead he's too busy like sticking his nose so far down a glass of wine before he drinks it. I'm like, I hate you. Yeah, yeah. But he suddenly loses his sense of taste and is yeah, getting splinters he's cursed in his by mouth. A witch. Yeah. Rupert Grint. So, long story short, is called in to look Nan- at the baby. Rupert Grint's called in, and oh. And at first, I thought he was going to be like, "What are you talking about?" Like, I was wondering if it was like, "Is he going to be the only one that knows the baby wasn't real?" <laughs> like, suddenly everyone right. buys it, but no, Rupert's like, "Ah." He's like, "What the fuck? Where'd that baby come from?" And then the nanny. Is like here. Let me touch your dick, so you don't care yeah. where the baby came from. Mm, you like? I that? will say in the third episode, she starts showing. Oh yeah, I know that baby is dead. I know that. This yeah, isn't and she real. like puts a little makeup on and is kind of being a little bit like a succubus, flirty with Tony Ravolo, <laughs> Flash Thompson from the Spider-Man yeah. movies, who's a uh, Sean sous chef who comes by like weird stuff. So there's a lot of um, Sean prepares happening. an eel. He prepares a live eel in like like a very like modern kind of like fine dining kind of way. But to cook the eel, he has to like put a nail through its head and then it's still wriggling. And the nanny is watching this and she's horrified. But then she goes to make an eel. Look, <laughs> the whole thing is very M. Night. It's, it reminds me like it's that level of creep, like the visit. I love the visit. Yeah. I love the visit. And here's the thing with M. Night um, Shyamalan is that the danger is, you know, it's leading because I will say this. I talked to my friend and he said, oh, did you get to the big twist? And I was like, yeah, the baby what? is in there. Yes, like four and of them. And he just went, no, that's not what I'm talking about. So it's like, oh, shit, there's still more twists coming. And that's the danger with M. Night is it can be in a like, I love the visit. Oh, I just realized that's Catherine Hahn is the mom in that. Anyway. Um, oh, my God, you're right. And uh, it can be amazing, like Sixth Sense or the visit, or it can be awful like was it lady in the water in the village lady in the water or signs, or signs yeah. you know what i mean or or what was that one where it was plants the plants were making people commit suicide oh, the, the happening. happening do you know what i mean so i'm watching yeah, but this then you've got other good ones like the village i'm watching oh you like the village i like the village i thought the village was like maybe middle of the road of all of them but i just guessed the twist ending like after oh, me like too. 10 minutes in the theater in the Did theater, I turned to my friend and went, car. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, when she was climbing the wall, I was like, 
car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, that's the thing is like, I'm gripping, like, am I going to be just like, cause I will say M night, like he directed the first episode. He is an amazing director. Like oh, yeah, it, he sets up tension and creep and everything so well, but then he can like have an awful twist. And then you're like, <sighs> like you just gave me blue balls, asshole. Like he's edging yeah. me and then just stops. Well, what do you think the twist is? My theory is I think the baby didn't. He said the baby like died of SIDS. I think either him or Dorothy like killed the baby. Ooh. Or something like that. I think there's a real the reason they really didn't go to the police is cuz they did something to that baby. That's and that's me just yeah. fully guessing. Yeah. Because also he seems like a villain. I honestly want this to go where he is the villain and you're kind of on the witch's I side. Want, yeah, I want this to be like that the nanny Leanne is actually like a force of good we, and she's aware and we do find and she's punishing um, him. She actually, they finally looked her up and went to like her hometown and found her grave. So oh. it's like not her. Oh, she's stolen identity. Yeah. Oh my God. But I do like what this because it also, this I, show also, the thing I like about it is we still don't know whether or not it's supernatural or not. Exactly. And that is like a fun thing where it's like, this still could just be a normal show or it could be a sci-fi supernatural thriller. We don't know yet. Um, Two things I want to comment on. One, Lauren Ambrose, her character, when she's in her like newswoman persona, when she's on camera, she does this incredible thing when she signs off. Like they've showed it like three times now. You know, she'll be reporting to the camera on location at this tragic thing that happened. And then she'll sign off, you know, here for KTL News, I am, blah, blah, blah. And she does this, like, head tilt and head shake as if to say, oh, can you believe this? And I just love that touch for a newswoman character. The second thing is this movie, Supernatural, Not Supernatural, aside, reminds me very much of The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Oh, yeah. Which me and and Rupert Grint's character reminds me very much of Julianne Moore's character from that movie. So let's just say I don't like Rupert Grint's chances of surviving the season. I mean, I I mean, shall I spoil it that I've seen the, in the poster for the second season he is in it. He is in it. It looked like it. Yeah. Oh, good. So, I don't want him to die yeah. by greenhouse glass. I don't want that. <laughs> Poor Julianne Moore. Remember, she was in that and that awful Madonna sex basic instinct ripoff movie. Oh, body my God, of yeah, evidence with the candle wax. Body of yeah. evidence. Yeah, that starred Julianne Moore too. Oh my God, and Benny and June. Oh yeah, God, she was in some clunkers before she like was like, no, I'm amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, her, I think her first movie where she was like, no, I'm amazing, was um, not Magnolia. Well, safe. What was? Did you ever see Safe? With oh, Haynes? Safe was great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, what am I thinking? L.A. Stories. No. Oh, um, short, like Shortcuts. In... Shortcuts. Yeah, that's the one that put her on the map. Her vagina. Yeah, well, she went full she beaver. Went full she went full bush. bush. Anyway. That's how, anyway. you know, you know this show is gay when the only vagina we talk about is Julianne Moore's. 
That's right. <laughs> and I want bottomless Rupert Grint, and I want big fiery bush, <laughs> just like Julianne Moore in Shortcuts. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Gingers. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to keep watching. You know, um, protagonist I cannot connect with aside. I will certainly keep watching. Yes, I'm definitely like, I, it is in that thing where I'm like, I really need to see what happens next. I need to see where this is fucking going. Is it going to end yeah. up being like a goddamn American horror story where I'm just like angrily being like, oh, what happens? It's fucking piece of shit. Oh my God. <laughs> Have you heard where American Horror Story season 10 takes I place? I saw some pictures of Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. Where, where is it? P-Town. Oh, is it like a gay? I think it's a zombie outbreak in fucking Provincetown, and I am one thousand percent here for it. God, does it happen? But they're not zombies. They look like the bad guys from Dark City, like Mister Sleep and Mister Candle and Mister Book, like those dudes. Right. They also look very Nosferatu ish. Long story short, there's like dark humanoid creatures let loose in Provincetown. And Macaulay Culkin is there partying. Like, what else do you need in his show? A lot. I need Sarah. Well, where who's <gasps> Sarah Paulson in it? <laughs> She's in it. I know you need good writing, characters that make sense. Honestly, but that's the thing. Direction. It just needs an ending. It needs plot direction. It needs, like, it needs yeah. to know how to end it. He can't stick a goddamn landing. I will say this. I'm like, if I if someone was just like, I need a social media manager. And I was like, you know who I need? I need Ryan Murphy. He literally can be like, I look at this thing I'm doing. And everyone's like, oh, my God. Even yeah. though everything yeah. he has done has ended horribly, his premise that he throws at you is so brilliant. You're like, I have to see Oh, my this. God. The best part of every American Horror Story season is the fucking marketing. Exactly. It sounds amazing. Like, I will admit, premieres. everything yeah. he throws out of like, this is what this season's yeah. about. It sounds amazing. And it ends up being terrible. And then it happens. Yeah. I mean, like 1984, the way that fell apart. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It, it always does. And it's like you and my other friend watch everything he does. And then like my one friend was like, yeah. And then just like the last few episodes, I'm like, ah, I don't even want to hear it from you. You were like a battered uh, husband. <laughs> somebody on the Golden Globes uttered the line, what kind of Ryan Murphy nonsense is this? <laughs> And I was like, oh, I'm so using that in so many given situations. <laughs> oh, my what God. What kind of Ryan Murphy nonsense is this? Well, Servant, we are right now giving it a thumbs up. I think it's fun. Yeah. It's definitely yeah, bingeable. It's Check it out. And uh, next week, I am trying to convince Brett to watch the new Superman series. I will. Superman and Lois. Superman and Lois. And we will give some opinions on that. As well yeah, as... Yeah, but also... Yes, Maybe next week we can also watch a little show called Falcon and the Winter Soldier and give some opinions. On oh, that. I told you I'm not watching that, right? No, I'm just kidding. Oh I'm my just God. kidding. That's right. That's next week. Is it on? Oh is it God. Fridays as well? Is it the same time? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I just because I now the like me and my boy. I love Marvel Fridays. I mean, you, well, that's the thing for me. It's Marvel Thursdays because it yeah, premieres true. at midnight. Um, yeah. On the West Coast, so it's like nine o'clock, and so uh, we get to. Uh, like at midnight on Thursdays, we like just settle in and like watch the episode. And I kind of love that. I love that. Did you see the exclusive clip they showed? That one scene. Which one? With the wizard stuff? The big three. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I like I live for shit like 
Bucky read The Hobbit when it first came out. Yeah. <laughs> I like I just I love that so much. It's going to be fun. It has it's basically just it has a lot to live up to, so and it's not it's going to be something wholly different yes. so because that's the one thing that i'm interested to see cuz the thing that i noticed about wanda is a lot of people like my mom who has never watched a marvel movie she is watching it into it i have other friends that don't watch marvel movies and they're watching wandavision are very into it i feel like because this is just like a buddy buddy fun movie this is like a, yeah. a tv show this is another thing i feel like a different group of people that don't watch marvel movies could easily get into this series too and I think yeah. that's the thing yeah. that's so brilliant about Marvel is how it's like basically amassing this audience of like, who's not watching our movies? <laughs> we'll get them. Yeah, it's brilliant. To make them accessible and episodic is such a great way to reach a different audience. And to they're not going to be that married to the movies. Yeah. Like, lightly. Like, we'll see the connections, but you don't need And them. I will say that is the thing people are talking about that people are getting angry at is because they have the entire Marvel Universe um, MCU at their hands. They're watching WandaVision and being like, well, why isn't Reed Richards showing up? Where? Why didn't Doctor Strange show up at the end? And I do think there is a thing of, like, people's expectations – are just shooting through the moon that a lot of people were pissed at the end of WandaVision, not because it was bad, but because they were just convinced Reed Richards and Dr. Strange were going to show up and Mephisto was going to be there. And they will just not out of the gate. Exactly. Like Like we need to like, like how over how many years is phase four supposed to take place? Like everyone chill. And I, and you don't want it now. I mean, but I mean, that's the thing is like, would I have loved Dr. Strange to show up? Yes. Does he have to? No. But he better did show up in the next with one. Like, <laughs> did it end with like a visual wink to the director of Doctor Strange 2 with the Doctor Strange music? Yes. Oh, I will say I read an interview with, uh, was it Matt Shankman, the director? Yeah. And they said, why didn't you age? Why did you stop aging the kids at 10? Why didn't you just keep aging them up? Because they're going to eventually, you know, be their superhero counterpart. Like their superhero counterparts are older. And he basically said, oh, well, it wasn't my decision of what age they had to end at. Right. Exactly. Meaning, oh, it's already their futures in the Marvel universe have already been mapped out and planned. They're going to be the MacGuffin of Doctor Strange 2. Yeah. She's going to be the villain Looking for She's going to tear apart the multiverse. Looking for looking her for kids. Them. And then when she finds yeah. them, that's the thing is, do you think when she finds them, they will be 10? Or do you think when she's going to find them, they'll be teenagers? Ooh, I don't know. But I can't wait. And who's going to find them? Can't America wait. Chavez. Can't wait. Oh, so much Marvel coming. And we will bring it to you. So much Marvel coming. Um, next week, X-Men wise, we've got Sword number four and X-Force 18. <laughs> One day, well, the last X Force was good, so maybe it's taking yeah, a turn. Yeah, sure, sure. I do feel maybe it needs a new writer, but um, yeah, I do too. Okay, my God, we're going on forever. Let's wrap this puppy up. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. If you like this show, uh, please leave us a review and a rating on wherever you listen to podcasts, um, and bring your friends along for the next one. And remember, if you watched Wandavision. Well, I hate to break it to you, but that makes <laughs> you queer. queer. <laughs> WandaVision. I just had to do it one last time.